I think like keeping yourself open to opportunities and, and setting goals for yourself, but being flexible to changing them and having them evolve and change with you is the most important part. Mm, that it, I am clapping with the rest of the studio audience right now, Adam. I I see it. It's there. Everyone's standing. I'm so weird. So nice. <laughs> please stop, everyone. Please. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to Normalize This, the show where we discuss whether or not trends and behavior should be normalized in everyday society. My name is Adam Rapon. Adam, do you know what this podcast is? You just, it didn't, I didn't feel it in your spirit. I'm going to tell you why. Because I was having a panic attack that I didn't record. So I was trying to say it and check to see if I was recording, which obviously now everyone knows that um, I am. And also I know that I am. And um, if I and was not afraid of nothing, I, I feel like no, we needed that. We did. And the thing is, is that this is it's it's a perfect segue into what this episode is about, because today we're going to be also, normalizing. I, I didn't. I'm sorry. No, please, I'm, please, 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 please. I'm I'm off as a, at a like at a record wreck speed right now. A record wreck speed. Mm hmm. I'm also I'm Danielle Young. Oh, my God. I cut <laughs> you off. <laughs> And today we're going to discuss Adam doing this podcast by his damn self. No, we're going to discuss how I'm gen- <laughs> I'm quietly quitting right now. Oh boy, Danielle. loudly quitting. L- I'm loudly quitting. But you know what? Right now we are normalizing imposter syndrome, which I Ooh. think I'm suffering right now because I don't know how to do a fucking podcast. What an imposter you are! I am. I'll be honest because I definitely have had many moments in my life where I've had imposter syndrome. Hmm. I know. I've lived my life through imposter syndrome in various stages of my life. So I feel like this one is going to get generational and span decades. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And make sure y'all stick with us because later on in the show, we'll be playing my favorite game, Keep It or Curb Curb it. It where Adam and I will decide what to build a shrine for in our homes and what to strap to a stick of dynamite and blow to mm. smithereens. Incredible. I know. What a visual. Very visual. You know, one of the very first things that we like to do before we get all the way into what we're normalizing is fun facts about each other. Adam, mm-hmm. what's your fun um, fact today? My fun fact is... Um, hmm. not this giggle I know it sounds like my fun fact is I'm about to have a mental breakdown which is maybe true okay wait 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 could be my my fun fact is that I just got this hand sanitizer and it's incredible ooh I'm so going to have to get you one. Your I'm gonna, fun I'm gonna fact get... is about hand sanitizer. Yes. And it's my I fun think fact Adam is that... is not really willing to let you all know about him as much as he should. Well, the thing is, it's like, what is there to know? There's so many items of your life that are incredible and interesting and fun. That's... I just know it. That is true. I just know I guess know I just start it. surface level. As this go- as it goes on, we'll just see how deep I get. We're going to... He's going to make you work for it, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. Meanwhile, and I'm like, I was a catfisher. <laughs> <laughs> see, I'm learning. I'm learning from you. You I are. Am learning. There's so many fun facts that are, you know, who that make up who I am. Oh, wait, I have a fun fact. When I was in my early 20s, um, I used sun in. What's sun in? Sun in is a chemical that white people put in their dark hair and they think that it looks blonde, but it doesn't. And until you look like it looks orange. Wow. It looks like brass. It looks like brass finishings on a cabinet. And I walked around with hair that That had basically 
It's not. It's really That's not, not a good look. No, but I really was dedicated to it and I thought it was I thought it I did <laughs> was pretty convinced I was gorgeous. And so that's well, because you of all are of, gorgeous. Well, now. But in those <laughs> moments I had some work to do. Listen. I am listening. I don't know why that would be an option for a hair product. It is. Don't. No, it's just, it's that's, not a good idea. And I'm sorry it exists. And it's a chemical. That's interesting. Well, it, there's like a really fun looking couple from the 80s on the front of it. And they both have blonde mm. hair and you spray it in and you go in the sun and it bleaches your hair. Huh. Yeah, it sounds fun, right? But your hair, if something that's five dollars is usually not healthy for your and hair. And it's also $5. Okay. Yeah. The facts are getting more and more fun as we go along. Yeah, there gets the the varnish is coming off and the truth is coming up. And the truth is coming up. Well, Adam, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for doing What that. was what is your fun Very fact? Very fun fact. I just oh, there's so many of them. Hmm. You've never used sun in. I've never, ever used sun in. Don't start now, please. I won't. It won't happen. Here's a fun fact. This is going back to high school, Danielle. Mm -hmm. I was in marching band as a member of the Color Guard. And if you don't know what Color Guard is, those are the girls who are twirling flags or like these things called sabers that are literal swords that aren't sharp or rifles that are guns that don't shoot. But it's the girls twirling and dancing around on the football field while the marching band is playing. Um, And I was in that, (laughs) I was in marching band in the color guard in that, uh, in that space. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) My whole entire high school life. And when I was in my senior year, I made it to color guard captain. Damn. I know I was good. I don't ever, I would never doubt that you were not. Yeah. I still have Color my flag skills, to be honest. It's like you do need to show them and memory. teach me. I can still toss my flag. I used to practice even after I graduated. I used to, you know, I kept a flag and I would practice in my yard. Wait, it that's was so, so fun. fun. Okay, I do need a lesson, please. Yes, I can. And I like I I was so good and loved it so much that I went into college in marching band, thinking that it would be an equally as amazing time, and it was not. What was the difference between Color Guard High School and Color Guard College? Like, Which here's does a th- sound like a college I'd like to get accepted into. Color listen, Guard College. Well, Color Guard College. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, here's the thing. Um, marching bands are very much a thing in Southern colleges, but mostly in Southern colleges that have football teams and, and things that are like, it's like, it's, you know, it's a football culture thing. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, but I went to a PWI, which for those of you who don't know, is a predominantly white institution, not an mm-hmm. HBCU, historically black college and university. But I just thought that it would be equally as awesome to like be in that type of team environment. And I loved twirling my flag. I just, I loved it. But it was like, first of all, I'm in college. <laughs> so I'm yeah. free. I'm free from my right. mother. And right. I'm free to be you know, a debaucherous teenager who's living on their own. Right. Um, so there, start there. Right. And um, Color guard rules off. That just did not feel fun to be in band as that was like what was going on in life. I was like literally free. So the marching band got to come to school about a week early. And, mm-hmm. but it was like, oh, we had to come to school, but we had to do band camp. For that week, so every morning we had to be on the fi- on the practice field by eight a.m. No, okay, I'm done. I've and I was already guard. like, oh no, <laughs> yeah, eight a.m. And then especially when people got into school, because you know we were there a week, and then finally people started moving in, and then it's just more more and more people, so it's like more nightlife happening. So you're going out, and then it's just so hard to make it there, and then you also have a class. Like, it's not just extracurricular. You have a marching band class, which was twice a week. And you had to go out there and it was like a physical class in the heat and sweating. And you're in college and there's people just like having a grand old time, just riding their bikes, living their lives. And you got to go to band practice. 
And then no. at the actual football game itself, you are a part of the halftime show and you don't get to actually be at the football game and enjoying it. You're like performing on the biggest field. And it was just like, oh my God, this is not as fun as I thought. Yeah. The so. glitz and glamour of being color guard captain. I've, I'll never think of it the same. Straight into marching band nerd once I got to college. It was really not what I thought. Well, maybe you were going through imposter syndrome. Listen, and that, <laughs> ladies that and is, gentlemen, is what we're here to normalize. Yeah, it is. Danielle, we live in a world where we're constantly made to feel less than. Not me and not and you. definitely either. not me. I'm greater than, but I know at one point in life I felt that. I think I've, I've heard about it once, <laughs> right? From somewhere. From somewhere. It couldn't have been me. But for some people, definitely not me. The LinkedInification of social media has mm. us inundated with daily reminders of other people's success. Correct? Highlight reels all day, every day. All day. Plus, people change careers every day, and it can start to feel like we don't have what it takes to make it at something we have less experience with. Mm -hmm. So today, Danielle, let's normalize imposter syndrome so we can stop feeling like phonies. Danielle, mm. let's get into it. Let's please. Let's please. <laughs> I've definitely gone through imposter syndrome myself, which um, is first described by psychologist Susan Suzanne Imes. She's a PhD. Mm -hmm. So you got to trust her. Yeah. The PhD to the capital D. Capital capital P, capital D. Lowercase and, H. And uh, Pauline Rose Clance, also PhD in the 1970s. Mm. So the She's imposter, imposter syndrome is grown. It ha oh, it's and it's growing, if you ask pretty Listen, much anyone. She's in her 40s. She's, yeah, she's, she's an older, older lady she's now, an older, older lady. So the imposter phenomenon occurs among high achievers who are mm -hmm. unable to internalize and accept their success. Oh, so, so, well, at least you know it's a, if you have it's it, like a good you're thing, successful. Right? right. So it's, it feels like a, like kind of like a rite of passage sort of thing, right? Yeah. Like you, you're amazing. You, you're, you're good. Impo you're not an imposter. You're good. Right. So. When you have imposter syndrome, usually people will often attribute their accomplishments to luck rather than like work or ability. And, and they'll have fear that others are going to eventually unmask them as a fraud. Somebody's going to find out. Yeah, I've definitely felt like this before. I oh felt like, like, I feel um, like it right now. Well, right now. When I thought that I could do the opening of the podcast. And then not only did I fumble, fumble, tumble, tumble. We saw you fail. You saw me fail, and then I almost cut you off when you were trying to introduce yourself. Uh, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Can Suzanne and Pauline get in here? Because <laughs> I bet you Suzanne and Pauline let each other finish their sentences and introductions. I hope. I hope they would. <sighs> they do. But you know what the thing is? Imposter Tell syndrome me. is so, it's just so funny because you're, it's you trying to convince yourself you don't belong where you are, even yeah. though you got to where you are because you belong. Mm-hmm. Like, what a conundrum. I don't know about you, but I've had conversations with friends who have felt like imposters in different situations. And when they'll tell me that, I, I it will be so surprising to me because I, exactly like you just said, like... You are here because you deserve it. But yeah. when it's you, it feels so... I, I think it's like can there's be, no way I could deserve it. But then yes. you're like, well, why am I telling myself that? Right. I know that in my own space that like sometimes I've motivated myself by telling myself like you're not ready like you have to get ready you like my self-talk hasn't always been great. I would say it's a lot better now. Mm. But the, I think that it would set me up to like when I would be fully prepared and in these situations that's that negative self-talk of like you're not ready like you have to do one more you have to do you know another hour of this or something that all of a sudden you're like after talking that way to yourself for so long um it sticks with you that when you get to the moment you're like well i'm not ready i'm not prepared oh for sure 
It's just sometimes it's so much easier for us to legitimize other people's success rather than our own. Always. Like, Why? Oh, my God. Like, I look at, and so many people probably know who this young lady is, badass Boz on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But Bozema St. John, she is a powerhouse across different companies, like C-suite level, C-E-C-O, C-whatever. But, like, she's been in those positions at different companies like Netflix and things like that. And you look at her on Instagram and you just, you believe it. Of course, mm-hmm. she's amazing. She's doing this, she's doing that. And then you think about, like, per, for me personally, I'll think about myself and I won't have that same, like, enthusiasm for myself knowing that I am a bad bitch, knowing that I am 15 plus years into my career Right. And knowing that I did do enough to where someone at a tech company would notice and be like, wait, could you come over here and do that? Mm-hmm. Um, but even in this position where I'm at, like to be essentially given a job where I didn't have to jump through hoops to get it, i.e. 7,000 interviews. Right. And to be given a job where I make this incredible salary just because I am who I am and I've done what I've done in my career. And mm-hmm. I still question myself in that space, knowing I've done all of that, right. knowing I'm just as dope as a badass boss, mm-hmm. but feeling like, well, I didn't earn this, did I? Like, wasn't I just lucky? Yeah. You know, in my own, like, I would feel those doubts of, like, why me or, like, everybody thinks that I can do this and, like, I just, like, I'm, I feel like I'm going to let them down. And um, something that really helped me was basically the, the kind of, like, the Sasha Fierce of it all. When Beyonce oh, yeah. basically talked about how Sasha Fierce was this alter ego. Mm. And... um. I decided that like I would have like two versions of myself when I needed to do things like there there's the Adam version, which is like that's just me who has like all the normal doubts of like, can they do this? Do they belong here? And it's okay if I have those doubts because everybody has them. They're normal. Right. But then this other version of me is like Adam Rippon, who like. Uh, who was hired to do something or who who's in a position where people expect that he will do a good job in this so that that's why they asked him to do this or put him in this position. And, you know, he's really reliable and he's really consistent and he's does really good work. And so I don't ever worry about like that version of me because that version of me is like this perfect version or like the, the one who does really good things. And it's like very confident and um, mm-hmm. doesn't doubt themselves. And so being able to try to separate that when I was a competitive athlete, that's what I did all the time. That Adam Rippon was who competed and Adam was the one who trained. And so Adam mm. could have the doubts. Okay, but when Sasha I was, Fierce. I, and that Sasha Fierce thing, that changed everything for me because Adam Rippon, Sasha Fierce, like the, Adam Rippon didn't doubt himself and was confident and could just do it. And I, right. I doubt myself sometimes, but the more that I am that alter ego of myself is like the more, basically, you know what I think it is, is that like you think of this version of yourself you want to be. Mm. And if you want to be that, that you think of, oh, there's these steps that I need to take. But if you have this alter ego, they can just already be that. Yeah, because that's the thing, too. I feel like I've seen something on social media a while back, like people. And it's the same thing kind of as I was saying about someone like a badass boss, like people find it very simple to support and to scream at the top of their lungs for Beyonce. Because, mm-hmm. of course, she is amazing. She right. is this and that. But, like, could never even begin to talk about themselves like that. Mm-hmm. And that I'm like, maybe this alter ego could give them that that power that they need. Like, how it helped you feel like, okay, this is this person, this is that person. Maybe if I can pour into this superstar version of myself, then there I can get rid of this feeling that I don't belong. She belongs and she's a part of me. You know what I mean? Totally. Oh, yeah. And it's, I think, honestly, this it kind of expands more into like doing things for ourselves, mm-hmm. for ourselves right now in this moment. Of, or if we think about doing something for ourselves, the future version of ourselves. 
Right. And that future version. Future version up real, real heavy. You got to set her up for success. Right. And so you're willing to kind of like do whatever you have to do in this moment because there's somehow you've separated that version of you now and the future version. You want to take care of that. It's it's somehow like we want to take care of something that's not us. Or Mm. I feel that way sometimes. It's way easier for me to care about or think highly about something that's not me, which is why for me, the alter ego thing is like, a, it's a no brainer. I always, I, I use that like in so many different aspects of my life. Yeah. I like that. I might adopt the alter ego. Please do it. Because, because yeah, it's, it's easier to make sure you're pouring into something else than yourself, which is like, uh, but for those who find it a little tougher to get to that point where they're believing themselves and knowing that they deserve to be where they are, because like it, imposter syndrome, it's, it's a pressure. Mm, it's this mm-hmm. invisible pressure that you're putting on yourself. And instead of embracing what is happening and how you can step up to it if you feel like you don't deserve it. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like that that fear that you won't achieve what you believe that you are capable of. And sometimes we are afraid that we'll get so close. I know I have been that you'll get so close and that at the last second you won't take the final step or you won't do the right thing at the last second and it won't Mm. everything will kind of fall apart yeah i've had that fear um and i've also like made that fear happen (laughs) but i think i mean and it can happen but i think like the thing is is that it when it's happened and it's been me and it's been i've kind of done it like as myself with my own doubts and mm-hmm. it's like oh well i knew that was going to happen but i've had moments where it hasn't worked out and i've like been my alter ego but my alter ego doesn't seem like beaten by it it's just like okay well this happens <laughs> right. like i'll learn from it but like this version of me doesn't get knocked down mm I always so go back do, to it. Yeah. How do you get, make sure that the, that version of you is just you? You know, it's easier for me to like do like go back to like moments where I was competing because there were definitely moments where like that alter ego kind of slipped back and I would let my own kind of fears and doubts take over. But in those moments, I was able to like recheck back in. And basically being hmm. in that alter ego state, basically I just felt like th- this version of me, and this is what I would r- remind myself, this version of me was unafraid. This version of me um, wasn't perfect, but if they made mistakes, they learned from them. But this yeah. version of me never had regrets. They never wished that they said something that they didn't get to say. They never um, didn't give something 100%. This version always was moving forward and was always being the mm. the best version of themselves. That, I, a, that version is a bad bitch. Yes. And I always felt like the best version of myself, like I said things that I thought were important. I said things I wanted to say. Um, I was myself in situations right away. I wasn't, you know, I, I they're not shy. Mm-hmm. And so the more I could be that version of myself, the more honestly authentic I felt like I was to who I am. Right. Well, listen, you can be yourself. Just know that that is who the person is that you are championing. It's still very much you. And Mm. I think that's a a dope way to think about trying to overcome that imposter syndrome because it doesn't have to be a detriment to your own success and also doesn't even have to be attached to that. Like, I I feel like the people that put that pressure on them for being this imposter are also putting their self-worth at risk Mm -hmm. because it's like, are you attaching your self-worth to achievement? Right. Like, is that the only way that you feel worthy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have, I've done that a million times. A lot of times those achievements, Danielle, like I always felt like a lot of times that some of some some of those things that we want to achieve, they're great goals, but some of them are just like also out of our control. Yeah, like some and honestly, I f- always felt like 
because we just don't know. We don't know everything. We you just can don't end know. up limiting your your dreams and the things mm-hmm. that you think are possible just based on whatever you think and whatever you've experienced. Like yes. for some people, this job at a tech company is their lifelong dream. Mm-hmm. And then that dream that so many people have been able to partake in may not be that greatest thing in the world. And then what? Right. So you're latching your self-worth onto something that is achievable. But then it's like, that's all you're funneling that through instead of just be- like pouring into your worth as an actual human as above pouring worth into yourself for just getting a thing. Does that make sense? Oh, complete sense. And just to like expand on it, because I totally agree with you. I think that like it's just being flexible with your opportunities too, because you can Mm -hmm. have these concrete like, I want to be an Olympic champion. I want to be an Oscar winner. But when I think that everything is so black and white like that, and it's not focused on the person, you can achieve that. And then what? That moment Mm. comes and it goes. And it's like, it can be, it can blindside you of like, I don't know who I am without this achievement on the horizon. And I think like keeping yourself open to opportunities and and setting goals for yourself, but being flexible to changing them and having, having them evolve and change with you is the most important part. Mm, that it, I am clapping with the rest of the studio audience right now, Adam. I I see it. It's there. Everyone's it? standing. I'm so weird. So nice. <laughs> please stop, everyone. Please. <laughs> so Adam, Danielle, I really appreciate the way that you've been trying to help us get through our imposter syndromes. But you know, you're not a professional. What? That's true. <laughs> that is true. Now, um, there are professionals that do have um, some recommendations for us, and they're from the American Psychological Association. I love the APA. I I also love them. So some of their recommendations are talk to your mentors, mm. recognize your expertise. Oh, wait a minute mm. now. I know. Before you keep going through, let's talk about this. Yeah. So talking talk to your to mentors. Your mentors. Yeah. To, to your who? Your mentors. <laughs> <laughs> Help me. Help me. When you talk to your mentors, uh-huh. um, first of all, it's like recognizing if that is something that exists in your life, right? Like, Because right. mentor sounds more like a work-related person like that helps you like navigate the space that's been in this longer than you, that can help you with, you know, just getting through whatever that occupation you're in. But it, mm-hmm. they can always also be people who are just like a big brother, big sister, supporting you outside of just work, but just helping you learn the ropes of life. Right. Um, just somebody you respect, too. Yeah. And that's hella important because that just goes to show that you there's fellowship in your life. Mm-hmm. And if you got some fellowship, you got somebody to talk to something about, and those people couldn't probably help you see the like, girl, you belong. It's fine. Right. Totally. So let's talk. I, talk. I, I think like the recognizing your expertise. That's kind a word. Of goes, that's really important. I think that's sometimes like if you can't do that yourself, that's what a mentor would help you do. Yeah. They would kind of lay out that resume of how you got to where you are. Yeah, but it's also like a reminder that you are indeed that bitch. Mm -hmm. Like recognizing that you already have a skill set is like paramount to being like, oh no, I belong. Like it's not because I'm lucky. I like, I did that. I did a thing for long enough to where people noticed. Mm -hmm. Which is another recommendation of remember what you do well. Yeah. It's hard to do that when you're feeling self-conscious or you're feeling like you don't belong. But it's kind of like taking yourself out of your own situation and looking at it from an outside perspective. Exactly. And if you write it down and make it plain, which is a thing that helps with manifesting, it helps with just visualizing, it just helps with getting it out. It's something that helps you just make it real and you can acknowledge it and literally focus on it. 
make so it so that you know I'm that you can that get down. yeah, that's make it plain, so write it good. down. That's really good, Danielle. I because you know sometimes I think I mean I'm guilty of it where it's like you add so many details into mm-hmm. what whatever, and it just strip it down, make it easy. And if it's the easier and the more refined it is, the easier it yep. feels like it is to accomplish. Exactly. Make it plain. You know what you do well. Yeah. Make it plain. The next recommendation is realize no one's perfect. Except, a, let's be real. Ex, exactly. Yeah. Except Danielle Young. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working on it. Still, still pulling it together, the Adam. Intros. Right. Letting people know that it is possible to get there. But like, if we're not spending our time wasting away thinking that we're supposed to be some like picture of perfection, like, come on. Right. Nobody is. Not even Beyonce. And we know she is, but she's not. No. But you know what? It, people who can deal with imperfections perfectly, and what I kind of mean like that is like, there are no moments that feel Perfect. And especially if we've like uh, dreamed of or focused on some some event and we're in the middle of it, it's mm. just going to feel different. It will always feel different. But the people who make those moments look effortless are they're like living in it and they're just they they're able to kind of roll with those punches and be relaxed. Mm. Knowing. Knowing. That ain't nothing perfect. Yes. That, I love that, that. that it's okay. And that's and it's fine, right? And our last recommendation, Danielle, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Talk to someone who can help a professional. Back to the talking. Back. It's you all see about how important talking. it is to express yeah. yourself. Honestly, don't use your mentor. Get somebody that is professionally able to listen, like a therapist. Mm-hmm. And those are the people that have the tools to help you break outside of that, like yeah. imposter syndrome prison that you put yourself in. And they'll ask you those important questions that you might not think to ask yourself. Mm-hmm. And re- and they'll help you reason with yourself. Yeah, because you're working on yourself. Imposter mm-hmm. syndrome requires you to work on yourself to understand and live in the confidence that you are who you are with the skills that you got. Be confident in that. Beautifully put, you know, Danielle. As I, usual. I'm talking to myself, to be usual. honest. <laughs> Well, if you're talking to yourself, I'm listening to you talk to yourself and mm. learning and growing. Mm. All the while. All the while, I'm an imposter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Danielle, what about imposter syndrome are we normalizing today? Normalize being your own biggest fan. Yes. Hold up your own go poppy signs like young Miami did for Diddy. <laughs> You know, sometimes you just have to cheer for you. It's so nice to have people around you, you know, your peers, your mentor, your sisters and brothers gas you up and tell you how amazing and capable you are and that you deserve all the things. But you have to celebrate your wins. You have to count on you. You have to believe in you and remind yourself that you have what it takes every day. Right. Like and it's a it's a mantra. It's a, you know, affirmation. It's the thing that you should look in your in the mirror and tell yourself every day. I remember chatting with my sister one time about it and I was like, "Listen, if we have a choice on how we talk to ourselves, like that inner voice, if that dialogue is gonna happen and I'm controlling it, I'm going to make it good." Right. I'm not going to make it question my, myself. I'm not going to make it make me feel less than. I'm going to look at that voice or, you know, train that voice to be good to me. Well, you spend the most time with that voice. Right. Like, I want a cheerleader. Yeah, I want a cheerleader. I can definitely be my own worst critic, but... I try really hard to balance that out with being my own biggest fan. Because yeah. sometimes it feels like, listen, if you can't cheer on yourself. Who will? Who will? Listen, oh, DJ Khaled screams, we the best. Right. He screams that. We the best. But, you know, if if he didn't believe it, would he been able to achieve it? No. We the best. We the best music. (laughs) (laughs) But you're your own cheerleader. But you're your own cheerleader. Adam, what do you want to normalize? I also want to normalize having an alter ego. Sometimes you just got to believe in you. 
and then develop that alter ego and believe in them too. Absolutely. And sometimes that alter ego helps you believe in you because that alter ego was you pretending to be someone else to help you. (laughs) What a psychological battle. But you know what? Anything it takes. You know, Danielle, I think a lot of people could benefit from channeling their doubts and fears into a version of themselves that's confident and fearless. It's that perfect version of yourself. Yes, I think so, too. Beyonce really inspired me to have a Sasha Fierce, but I never went through with it. Why not? I don't know. I think I found out that I was what I needed all along. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) But I like the idea of funneling like uh, some energy into like this confident, fearless part of myself. But I also like the idea of just being that. Yeah, for me, it was it's easier to like be that version and that I can like separate like the one that's allowed to have the doubts and the one that just doesn't have them at all. And having that like that separation for me, it's like it's it's helpful because I'm like, oh, I don't like I don't ever feel doubts. I'm never doubtful. I always know I can do something. Right. And it's like I can push that out and I don't ha- even need to fight with it. I don't need to fight the well, I am nervous. Like, I don't right. ever have to go there. That's why that that's really helpful for me. I don't ever have to feel strong because this alter ego of mine just is an idiot who can do anything. Mm-hmm. Period. Believe in you. Believe in us. The idiot that can do anything. The idiot that lives within me. (laughs) On that note, after we've learned so much from our professionals, I think we should go right into Keep It or Curb It. Should we sing? Keep, Keep it, it or curb it. it. That changed a little. It did. And I I, I changed a little. But if we don't change, <laughs> we don't grow. Basically, if this is your first time ever listening to the show, welcome. Mm. Um, how dare you, but also welcome. How, welcome and honestly, come on. <laughs> So Keep It or Curb It is the segment where we take a look at new social trends and decide if they're worth keeping or if they're worth corbing. Like, is it, is, are we, corbing. Corbing blue. Corbin. Corbin blue. Is it a high school musical or is it? (laughs) High school musical three. (laughs) One or three. Is it one or three? <laughs> I guess all, you know what? Thinking of the high school musical, this is not a keeper curve, but I'm thinking right now, all of them have done, three has Rodrigo, Olivia Rodrigo. Mm. One has um, Vanessa Hutchins, Ashley Tisdale, Zach Efron. Really, none of them have flopped. Can we be real? Not a, not, no, not a flop. Not no. a flop at all. A lot of a lot of imposter syndromes in there, probably too. Probably, and also in keeping of or curb a lot of keeps in High School Musical. Yeah, I'm keeping them. I'm gonna Love keep those them. Kids. So now my f- the first keep or curb. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. According to the USPS, less <sighs> than 0.5 percent of mail is household to household mail. Hmm? Not not surprising. I don't remember the last time I wrote a letter. Oh, that's what that means. Right. How, I'm like, so young. I had no idea what you were talking about. And I'm so old. <laughs> I knew exactly what household to household. Um, I have two stamps in my house, but I always have stamps in my house. And I feel like there are people that might not. Yeah. I have so, to physically get stamps if I needed them. So, well, so to better explain household to household, that means letters, thank you notes, birthday cards, invitations. So... But most of your mailbox is probably stuffed with coupons and credit card offers or Amazon shipments. But it's kind of nice to get something personal sent to your address, right? Mm, Yeah. So should we normalize sending more mail? Ugh, I just got anxiety thinking about it. I think one, I let's normalize the idea. I love that. So thoughtful. Wow. It's so thoughtful. But please. I love to send things, but like it just sounds so exhausting. It really does. Just hand it to me because you know me. Although yeah, people live in different hand. cities, I guess. You know, I have um, 
I have friends that send out like Christmas cards and things that like that. And so I always, thoughtful. I think it's so great. I will never ever Who has do that. The time as long and as energy. No, Ugh. I don't. But you know what? It's quote unquote old school. I think it's really beautiful and thoughtful. Um, as a, a girl gr- who grew up having like pen pals and things like that, I really I'm do so jealous. Love a letter. Oh my gosh, we, they had those programs in like middle school and uh, and stuff. I know. I just never got one. I don't think mine's stuck. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they don't stick, but you still get that at least one letter. You're like, oh, my God. I think I got my follow-up of, like, we're pen pals, and then they pretty much ghosted. And they ghosted you. Yeah. Wow. And getting ghosted via letter, you, like, never know until it's too late, and then you've forgotten. Yeah. And that's what (laughs) happened. Forgotten. So It's like waiting for a husband to come back from war. That's what that was like. Official. Very um, official. <laughs> I think I'm going to keep sending each other mail, but I'm not going to commit to it. Yeah, I'm keeping, but I'm like rolling my eyes. <laughs> Fair? Well, you know what, Danielle, I'm going to go back. There's this There's this app. I don't know if I still have it or if it <laughs> still exists. But it was like um, you could send a postcard from a photo uh, and it would be a photo of something from your camera roll. So you could upload a photo and it'd be like a dollar to send a postcard. And if I would visit a friend, I would send them a postcard of like a picture. Of yourself? From our trip. Oh. And it was like a dollar. And it was <laughs> cute. I'm a, I'm, I don't know if I like this, but it seems like a cool <laughs> way of m- marrying snail mail <laughs> with the internet, like technology. Yeah. I now that I've said it out loud, it's, uh, it's like you had to it, be it's there. Something that we, it's something that sounds cool in 2011, right? Yeah, which is probably the last time I opened this. I'm gonna open my phone right now and see it. if I have it. <laughs> I don't think it exists. Open it I up. Hope it doesn't. Either way, I'm still going to keep it, but not commit to it. Okay. I and again, I keep and roll eyes. I heard. Yeah, I don't. I don't have it. That's fine. I think. Yeah. I'm never using that app. So next up. <laughs> you shouldn't. Are we keeping or curbing this, Adam? Are you ready? I'm ready. With the rise of remote work, people came very attached to their animals. Oh, okay. I can't wait until I get attached to mine. And there's research that tells us that many aren't willing to give it up, not even for the almighty dollar. So according mm-hmm. to a survey by the Vetster, Over two-thirds of pet owners have searched for a more flexible job to devote more time to their fur babies. A recent survey of 2,000 employed pet owners found that 71% have made significant life change because of their pet. And 6 in 10, 6 in 10, have previously left a job because they were forced to return to the office that wasn't pet friendly. Damn, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. The people are not having it. We want to be at home with our babies. Should yeah. we keep or curb prioritizing jobs that are pet friendly? I think keep because like pets Sounds bring like freedom so, to me. Yeah, they bring so much joy to our lives. Yeah, they do. They just do. It's worth I mean, it. It's so, it's so worth it. Yeah. I say, I say just ke- you keep. And also, Danielle, the app does exist. I just found it on my phone. It's oh. called Postagram. Postagram. That's actually very cute. And it, um, yeah, and it looks, oh, they've done some updates since 2011. Postagram. Oh, okay. No, wait, this is cute. It is cute. I'm not, I'm never going to send it though. I'm still, I'm still not doing it. I, I'm curbing myself. I've curbed um, you already. Um, thank you. <laughs> so are we, yeah, I'm keeping jobs that I'm are pet keeping, friendly. Yeah, to your point, pet, pets are joy. They're joy. They deserve to be loved and, and we get that love from them back. And it's just, I don't know. It, it sounds like, ideal for you know we've talked about quiet quitting and all these like you know folks that want to stay home or not work these jobs anymore life has been obviously way too fragile Mm -hmm. and way too long and and to have it be put in our face like it has over the pandemic it's like everybody is doing things that they find joy in and yes honestly yes power to the people yeah keeping pet friendly work life 
we keep it. Our next keeper curb. So this probably isn't going to shock you, but our generation is not doing a great job with the whole saving for retirement thing. (sighs) Not good, our generation. Whoops. Oops. I mean, we mean well. We do mean well, and we're living in the moment. (laughs) We're living in the moment, which matters. And we're sending postgrams to each other. Yeah. Yeah. So the National Institute of American Securities reports that 96.2% of millennials born 1981 to 1991, they're they're not properly saving for retirement Uh and it gets worse. Oh, God. Over 66% of millennials have zero money saved for retirement. So, you know, people are going to blame whatever, avocado toast, Coachella tickets, but saving for (sighs) retirement in this economy... And with this state of the world could seem like a luxury. Not everybody has the opportunity to save. So That's also real. So keep her curb. Millennials not saving for retirement. Oh, what a... Because they're talking to me. I'm a saver, yes. But I also understand why millennials feel this way. Like, uh, we... I t- look, like, we don't look think at everything the world is going to be here. Yeah, like, totally. we're really like, are by the time we get retirement age, are we even going to be here? Like, I don't want to be morbid or anything, but folks are like dying so much younger um, because the world is actually so tired of us. Like, we don't have an ozone layer. It's just so many things. We don't have an ozone layer. <laughs> that it's like, I don't know if w- the world is going to be here. So maybe subconsciously, millennials are like, girl, we got a good 50 years left. Like, yeah, live it up. <laughs> Live it up. That go to Ibiza. To, yeah, go to Ibiza and get it out of your <laughs> Roth IRA. You don't need it. You don't You're need it. You're not going to make it. <laughs> I'll be honest. I did not start saving until like two or four years ago. Oh, wow. I was, yeah, I was convinced that I don't want to be broke ever. So I tried to save very early. It's very tough when you're broke. It's but that's why I couldn't do. I didn't have anything to save. Like, I what remember is left? The, like I remember that um I ha- had like enough money that if like there was something that came up, that I would be able to deal with it. Like if I got a flat tire or so, like something like that, like some emergen- emergency thing. Yeah. But I didn't have much outside of that. And I remember the day that I called like Bank of America and was like, I'd like to open a savings account because I just had a checking account. I didn't right. even have like any money to put into a savings account. Just the checking. Just, just the debit the card. J- I was just debit, the debit bitch, debit downer, Debbie Downer. Debit debits. Downer reporting debit for downer. duty. I mean, I remember applying for those motherfucking credit cards. I was trying to get some United Airlines thing that I got a million letters in the mail that I was rejected for. Oh, my gosh. I understand. Like, I've done all of that. And so I understand that saving for retirement is like it is it's a luxury of having extra money. But Mm. if you can do it, just a little bit can go a long way. Yeah, a little bit can go a long way. And now we also have the luxury of uh, different ways that your money can grow, not just sitting yes. in savings and different investments. And you don't have to, because back in my day as a millennial, there it, there was a lot of intimidation around money and what it could look like to have stocks and bonds and different things and degrees of, of wealth building. But now everything is a little bit more accessible. The internet makes it very simple to Google things and there's articles and books and Netflix shows like how to get good with money and resources and so many things that are able to help you plant a seed and learn what it's like to save money without being like, oh, let me put away this 5% of my paycheck every time. It's like, oh, I can actually grow my money too. So, Right, because that sounds boring. But hearing that it can grow is like exciting, which it can, especially if you like start to invest it. And it's so so funny. Investing sounds far off when you broke. Yeah, yeah, it does. You're like (laughs) investing. Honey, I got to go get me some ramen noodles. Right. (laughs) How can I invest when I have dinner? (laughs) For for the rest of the year. Yeah. But no real. It's it's true. But like, really, like that's how people who have a lot of money keep having a lot of money. Yeah, I want my money to make money. 
I don't want to just be saving. So if we're keeping or curbing, I would love to keep saving money and curb millennials not saving for retirement because y'all, we're going to make it. We're going to get to be old and we're going to get to see our children's children, children, you know, make that money. But let's, 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 let's set up ourselves for, you know, the future. Let's give a little bit of buffer so we don't have to work until like forever. I do want to stop working very soon. <laughs> I feel like within 10 minutes, we will be done working on this podcast. I soon. want to be done working very soon. So I could just be like, <laughs> my money is making money. Yeah, that's what I want. While I want I'm my relaxing. money to keep making money so that I can just keep or curb things with you all day. Period. Love that. I love it. I feel warm. Good. I want to <laughs> warm you. <laughs> Adam, oh my God, we're coming to the end of our we episode. Are. And you know what I like to ask you at the end? You ask me every time and I'm I'm ready to answer. Are you? Yes. What is your favorite takeaway from today's episode, Adam? Well, I'll tell you what my favorite takeaway isn't was when I cut you off in the beginning. Wow. It's haunting Hate me. It. Hate it I, that it happened I, to you like yeah, that. Yeah, I hate that that is how it went down. But mm-hmm. I will say that um, I had a great conversation on imposter syndrome. And it's really helpful to know that other people go through it as well. Because sometimes Everybody it feels like does. some people don't feel it at all. No, they're just pretending to not feel it. And they're getting through it by reminding themselves of who the they are. Mm-hmm. and what they're good at and that they are amazing. It's yes. all about your affirmations. You cannot be an imposter when you know you're that bitch. Yeah. When you know you're that bitch. Yeah. That was you, you know, that was my favorite takeaway. That was mine. Just like knowing that you are. You are the one. You're yeah. the one that's supposed to be where you are. What a perfect way to end. <laughs> I know, Adam. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, Danielle, that's it for our time today. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. I know your ears are just loving it. They are. I know mine are. Mm -hmm. Mine are loving it. Make sure that (laughs) if you listen today, you rate, you comment, you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Five stars, quick review. Reach out to us on social media. I'm at Adam Rip on Instagram and at Adam Rippunt on Twitter. Mm. Danielle, what about you? Your girl is at the Danielle Young on Instagram and at Rapsodani, R-H-A-P-S-O-D-A-N-I on the Twitters. Please. On the Twitters. Put your best foot forward and just slide on in those DMs. Yes. Let us know if there's anything that you think that we should normalize because we're here and we're ready to do it. Period. That's it for now. You'll see us next time on Normalize This. Until then, give your pet a big kiss from both of us. Oh, my God. Let them know you're not going back to work. Yeah. You've quit. (laughs) Quietly and loudly. (laughs) Quiet. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Everyone out there listening, we want to hear from you. Make sure you follow at Make Spring Hill on all platforms for weekly show updates.